Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And the hits just keep on coming. I have another tremendous guest this morning. She is a LinkedIn rock star. She is doing some amazing things. We are going to talk about her life, her new book, My Skeletons Have Names. It's coming out very soon. She is a author, a life coach, speaker. My friend Sherry Lewick joins me on the Intentional Encourager podcast today. Sherry, we have been waiting a, a little bit to do this. Thank you for your time today. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm so, I feel so honored to actually be here. Um, I'm a big fan of yours, and you have been a big part of the encouragement I have certainly received um, over the past six, nine, ten months. I don't know. You know, time... It, it, we feel like time should slow down when we're stalled with this pandemic, but I think it's going faster. <laughs> no, no question. No question. Let me, let me get your thoughts around the pandemic and, and some things that, that you have kind of some directions your thoughts have been going because now we're in different phases as we record this of the pandemic. I know in my state, our governor has mandated that we wear masks indoors and um, there, you know, people are, are the fear seems to be heightened around okay. this thing as cases spike. So give me your overall thoughts as you have seen and, and what's been going on for you internally through this pandemic. Oh boy. Um, well, so it, it's certainly been a roller coaster, right? I think um, it has for everybody, hasn't it? No, it's really, it's really interesting. So I was um, scheduled to go to Los Angeles in February. And I, it was, I don't know, it was after Valentine's Day. So the 16th or 17th, something like that. And things were really just starting to come to light. And um, I am a studier of the world and of behavior and I knew that this was going to come and affect us but I think um, two days before or day before I was supposed to travel was the first time they had said hey somebody at Los Angeles International Airport had tested positive and I was really unsure about what I should do should I keep should I take my trip should I not take my trip and mm -hmm. I followed my gut and decided not to go. Mm -hmm. And I think it was within a couple of days, I would have been stuck there. <laughs> so, um, you know, something, something in my gut told me, hey, don't go. And, you know, that intuition was something that um, I learned for many years not to listen to. Mm -hmm. And so, so being able to have that's really, really helpful. Um, and then I think, you know, like most of us, I moved from fear and not fear of dying, but fear of the unknown, that lack of control, that inability to 
promise or secure the safety for family and friends and loved ones and um, a real sense of heartbreak for the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, so much confusion and so much divide in our own country, which is just to me, just so heartbreaking. Okay, because mm -hmm. I just, unity makes everything so much better. And, um, you know, we've sort of ridden this roller coaster and where I live, um, we were really fortunate. We had very few cases. Our hospitals were not inundated. Mm -hmm. um, we have plenty of space so we could enjoy the outdoors without being near people. Um, it made the rules fairly easy by comparison. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same, similar to what we have here in West Virginia. Yeah. And in the last week, we have seen such a tremendous spike. All of our hospitals are now filled. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, just yesterday, they, and it literally just yesterday afternoon, they implemented the mandatory mask um, for our county. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm all for it. So it's not, it's not political. It's not a political statement. It's about science and, you know, living as if we all have the disease and doing what we can to protect our fellow man. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I've been doing that anyway. It's, it's a no brainer to me. And, you know, you mentioned when we started that you and I are LinkedIn connections mm -hmm. and Interestingly enough, it's been a um, hundred days, roughly, um, that I published an article that was on my mind about how do we use this coronavirus mm -hmm. as a good thing? How do we harness what's happening and turn it into a positive? And that was before we even knew what was going to explode. And yeah, I nothing had really... It. Yeah, nothing had really manifested. Mm -hmm. Because I was thinking as you were talking there a minute ago, you know, words that, that have become commonplace in our lexicon since March. Pandemic. Mass. Sanitizer. Quarantine. I, I, I had heard something. Um, I had seen something on YouTube talk about somebody being quarantined and this was 15 or 20 years ago. And I'm thinking this has got to be a joke. This is, this can't be, but, but we have taken quarantine. We've taken some of these terms that, that we hadn't used. They were archaic terms. Now all of a sudden they're a part of everyday conversation that we have. And now we're throwing pandemic around like it's nothing. <laughs> right we've normalized so it's really it's, that's it's, a perfect word we've normalized yeah. it yes. we've normalized things that aren't normal and um and we've used words that really don't match the true definition of what the word is okay and and i think quarantine's a really good word because we're locked down how about that one you know oh, we're locked down well no we're not we're still free to go wherever we want to go Okay, we're not locked down. We're not quarantined. Um, quarantine you dropped new... lockdown on the po on the intentional encourager podcast. I, I like it, <laughs> I did. and that's right. one of the words that I'd forgotten about. Was was people are like, I, I'm getting tired of getting locked down. But you're right. You know, in 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 and in our state, Sherry, 
people started taking a personal offense to it. Like, like, well, how dare you? Well, we've heard, so I, you know, I don't want to get into a political. No, I, I get it. But I, I guess where I was going with this was the words that we didn't use before. We're using them all the time now. Yeah. So, so it's really interesting too, because somebody who is, um, intentional, uh, in my thoughts, because I've had to change so much over the course of a lifetime in the way I think. And, um, I'm very sensitive and probably hyper aware to how some of these words get inter interchanged. Okay. But also the way these things affect me on a personal level, I can't talk about how they affect somebody else because it's inside. Right. Um, I can share stories, but I can talk about myself. And, yeah. you know, a lot of these feelings that I know that I have felt um, could be viewed as threatening to my safety, okay, mm -hmm. or as um, wrapping me in an envelope of safety. Mm -hmm. And it all stems back to, for me, is that lack of control, okay? And mm -hmm. we have become such a self-centered, self-serving yep. bunch of people, okay? Um, it, the lights are on, okay? The lights are on, and, and, and you people aren't hiding from their feelings or their opinions right now. I thought you were going to say the light. We would say it this way in West Virginia. The okay. lights are on, ain't nobody home. I thought well, that was where. <laughs> yeah, we would say that everywhere, okay? Yeah. Well, I want to I wanted to ask you for a second. I, I, I've got I've to go here for just a second. I want to I talk about something that you said. You were talking about taking your trip to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And you said my gut told me not to go. And this time I listened to it. How hard, because you, you had pushed, you, you said that you had pushed your gut reactions aside and kind of ignored them. And I think we all do. I think there are a lot of times that we are so gung ho to do something that we want to do, even though our guts telling us it may or may not be a good idea. And there's some trepidation. But because we want to be in control, like you just mentioned, like we, we got this, we ignore it and something not catastrophic happens. Sometimes it some, does. Sometimes <laughs> it does. Exactly. Sometimes it does. But something that, that just was like, you know what? My gut was right. How does a person know help me understand the tuning in to listening to your gut, what that took for you. Cause I'm still learning that in myself. I'm still learning how to tune my gut instincts in a little more to listen to it. Cause I'm a push ahead kind of guy. If I want to do it, I'm just like, you know what? I, nothing bad's going to happen. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I loved what you said there, and I had to go back and revisit that because I think there are a lot of people listening to us that go through the same thing. 
Like they yeah. know it's internal, but they have, they push it back or they beat it back. When for you was that time where you really tuned in on listening to your gut? Yeah. So that's a, it's a really important subject in my opinion. Not one I can probably answer right now in, in its wholeness. Okay. Um, but hey, we but got tons of time here. But, we could break this podcast into, okay. into 15 parts if we want, if we want to, but no, go, go ahead and hear at myself and hearing myself long before then. Um, so, <laughs> so, so now so, you know how my wife feels about listening to me. Like, why would I listen to your podcast when I can hear oh, this on. pontification yes. on a nightly basis? But I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I digress. To, yes. So, us there. so, so it's really interesting. So in my book um, that you mentioned, my skeletons have names, right? Um, I actually talk a lot about how I learned not to trust my gut and how I learned to trust it again. And, and so it's just really interesting that I think that it's a really big component in our lives because until our, our gut, our stomach, our insides, okay, and our mind and our heart are in alignment, we are not, okay? And so when you take that gut, it's not just, oh, you know, my gut's telling me because sometimes that gut is just a warning sign. Okay. And it's just reminding you that, that, you know, uh-oh, you know, danger, Will Robinson, danger. I ate Sometimes it's indigestion in my, in my case. Yeah. yeah the older <laughs> I get, yeah, that's probably actually really, you know, nothing yeah. a little Miriam won't take care of. Yeah. Um, right. So, or Nexium, Nexium. It's called, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, um, but when those three things are not in alignment, we lose our clarity and, and we lose our direction and our confidence and our capability gets challenged. And so we need to really pay attention, I think, to it. And so how do you do that? Um, in short, when you feel off, you feel uncomfortable, um, I check my motives, okay? And so, and, and that's really my solution for a lot of things is check your motives, Sherry. Okay. Why is this important to you? What is this telling you? What are you really feeling? Because when you are not that, and that's like, I feel like I'm rambling on, I'm a rambling man, you know, but um, not in the Billy Joel sense, but <sighs> Many people, certainly myself, learned not to feel my emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I stuffed my emotions. And my, as a result, my desire to push through in spite of what lie ahead or behind me got me into a lot of, um, in hindsight, choices I would never have made, or certainly not today. Um, I'm lucky to be alive nine times over. And it wasn't until I really got in touch with my feelings that I trusted my gut. I think that's the way I should tie that together. So when I could 
actually guide myself through my emotions and allow myself to sit in my emotions, I could trust what my gut, heart, and mind were telling me. I think that's so important, Sherry, because I think people sometimes are afraid to tap into deep emotions. And, and I, full disclosure, that was me because the, the way I was for the first 40 years of my life was don't make me cry. The last thing I wanted to do was to cry. My wife knew if she was going to get me a card for my birthday or an anniversary, it better make me laugh. It right. <laughs> it would need to be funny. If I was going to watch a movie, it was a comedy. When my dad died, I, I started tapping into emotions. And all of a sudden, when I would see or think about something that he did or said, and his picture hangs above my desk. I mean, I see my dad five days a week when I'm working. It doesn't bother me now. I, I, I'm prideful. But there are still times that I get emotional. But I had to learn to, to tap into that emotion. And my wife told me one day, she's like, you know, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. And, and I was like, nah. I, I, I did what you did with your gut. I beat it back. Mm -hmm. There were times I would just beat it back. How important do you think it is to tap into the full range of our emotions to I get to that place where we want to be? Yeah, sure. So um, I think that's the key to living life intentionally. And I think that is the, I think that is the key to unlimited joy as well. And um, unfortunately, we as a society as a whole have been taught not to feel emotions, right? Um, toxic positivity is a true problem in the world. And what does that look like? Have you ever just really been concerned about something and you've shared it with somebody and they've said, oh, just get over it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what are they telling you? Don't feel anything. Yeah. Your feelings don't count, right? Just get over yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, or your cry as a young child and your parents say, stop crying. Mm-hmm. Okay. In my case, you know, I was told as a child, if you weren't bleeding and you were, there was nothing to cry about. My dad, okay. when he spanked me, would always say, dry it up. Right? Yeah. So you were taught not to cry. You yeah. were taught crying is bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, crying comes from feeling. Yeah. Okay. So, so unless I was bleeding and needed, and, need, and I mean, gushing, like needing stitches, right? My dad didn't want to hear about it. Yeah, rub a little dirt on it. That's what they would say up here in West right? Virginia. Put a little dirt on that. That's everywhere, right? <laughs> it's just, I mean, right? Go take care of it. Get out of yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, so I think it starts. I think that's a great way to look at it. It starts really early, okay? We are taught, don't feel anything, mm -hmm. okay? And, and then as we age and we feel all kinds of crazy things, we're taught to ignore it. Yeah, and how we transfer those to our kids because, you know, we, we, we say, I, I think parents are noble. We, we're noble people before we have kids, and, they say, and we say, well, if we have children, this is what we're going to do, and, and then life happens, and it's like, you just hold on the best you can. And I've told my son for a lot, 
My son will be 20 in September. Okay. And, and my wife and I have told him, listen, you didn't come with a manual when you were born. We're, we, we're still trying to figure out how to parent you as an adult because it's not like parenting you it's, it's, when you were so 10. Much harder. Yeah, it's exactly. so much harder. I, so, I want to go here for just a second if we can. I, I'm fascinated by what you just said about be, the healthy part of emotion. Because again, I, and, and I said this to somebody the other day, if most people are going to social media for validation, for mm -hmm. look at me, but social media, if you're looking for encouragement, which, which I don't know a person alive, Sherry, that doesn't need encouragement. Social media is absolutely the wrong place for encouragement because if somebody doesn't like your outfit on Instagram, or they don't like your tweet on Twitter, or they don't like your recipe you post on Facebook. You get all these people that just, they put the claws out and they just come out. And it's like, why would you go to social media for encouragement when that's not what that is there for? The, people want to, they want to become social media stars. I think, I think we're creating, I think we're creating such a false, it's almost like a fake wall, if you will. So you've just taken, so you've just taken one thing we were talking about and almost completely turned it around. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, no, no, I'm just saying, like <laughs> we were going down the road and you took a sharp left. <laughs> okay. I'll tend to do that here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I that's just the way my mind my, right. the way my so mind I get it. Yeah. So, so I get it. So I went right with you, right? And, and, but you, you're keeping us from careening into the ditch. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know, when I golf, you know, I can get, I can get myself out of the sand pit. So, um, that's about the only thing I can do in golf. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I can, I can hit a driver. That's about it. Well, yeah. I'm a good shipper. So, yeah. you know, yeah. um, long and straight and not so much. Anyhow. So, so you say, uh, so we said two things. You were talking about emotions and feelings, and then it turned to social media. And going to social media for encouragement. And the first thing I thought was, you and it's so funny because I keep looking at you and the word intentional is like screaming, right? And I keep saying within, right? And I'm going, it's not planned. I'm not trying to do that, okay? But it's just such an important word. It, it is so, when you told me the name of my podcast is the intentional encourager, I went, of course it is. Like, it just made sense that that would be you. Okay. And when you do things with intention and you intentionally lift people up, magic and miracles happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what I have learned with social media is it's an absolute fabulous place to go for encouragement. Okay. Um, it just depends who you're going there for. Again, check your motives, okay? And where are you paying attention? So, so anytime you need to be seen for whatever reason, okay? The, the easiest way today is social media. Um, it is also the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Hmm. Okay, I can, I can totally get that. Yeah. Okay. Because of the haters and, 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 
you know, I've always said in life, it's so crazy, okay, because, I mean, you know, my book says how I went from victim to hero, and I really have been a victim a whole, whole so many times, but, but then I could get stuck in that victim mentality, so there's a difference between making yourself a victim and somebody else, and I've done both, but, but on social media, I read what, when you start to sort of get some interest for whatever it is you're doing. And I have stepped so far out of my comfort zone in the last six months, um, completely taking a, a U-turn and circle around the globe to starting a new direction in my career and life and writing a book about really personal and intimate things that have happened to me or that I've done to others or myself. Um, has been really frightening, and I've been really sharing it. And I got my first eightogram the other day, and oh boy. and I was sharing. Um, so I am on social media to encourage other people. I want my whole thing in life, and really the reason why I left my nine to five job is because my whole mission is if I can end just a bit of suffering for one person at a time until I've reached millions, I feel like that's what God created me to do. And just a little bit of suffering. And so that's in your messages, that's in lifting others up, mm. but also helping show them how to find their light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And chapter four is actually called darkness. And I share about the darkness and how we need to find light. And so social media can be a great place to get that encouragement. But when somebody messaged me the other day and said, not messaged me, it was not private, publicly put, um, you're nothing but a toxic witch. You should really get rid of yourself or something oh, like that. Oh, my word. The toxic witch stuck. <laughs> and my I was word. like, I was like, Oh, I've made it. <laughs> okay. but, but but there is a 0.00% chance that if that person were sitting across the table from you, that they would have said to you, you're a toxic witch. Zero. I've had people call me some pretty horrible things. Well, what I'm head. saying is there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people today that will say anything behind yeah. a keyboard. Well, there's a false sense of safety because we dehumanize. That's it. That's it. Okay. So he's dehumanized. I say he. I don't know who it is. It was user 093. So he, he didn't even, the, the person didn't even have the courage to be a real person. Okay. And not that you would ever know on social media anyway. I mean, you know, Roger, 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 Roger you know, anger is probably just a bot. You know what I mean? I mean, we, it could be anything. So what I started doing is really limiting my focus on social media. And I mean this from a personal user standpoint, okay? Because I use social media a lot for business and messaging. Um, but I found that I created special groups, because you can do that on every single social media platform, where I only see content that I want to see by going to that group. That's a great point. That is such a okay. good point. So because I intentionally block out 
the BS, the bad stuff. I don't want any more BS, bad stuff in my life. That is such a good point. I, I am so glad you made that point, Sherry, because I don't think we become intentional enough in filtering out things that can harm us emotionally or negatively because, again, I think we're such a society that seeks adoration, affirmation. You know, we, the, yeah. We all want to be loved and we all want to be seen and heard. Or tolerated in my case, just, you know, well, just yeah. tolerated. I mean, no, I don't more than tolerated, right? I don't want, if you're just tolerating me, well, thank you, but next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swipe left, next. So, so, but we all want to be loved. That's normal. And so it's what are we doing to seek that validation so if we're going to social media for validation, we've missed something. We have a hole in our soul. And, and if we can fill that hole in our soul and love ourselves, we no longer need outside validation. Wow. What a great, what a great point. I have to ask you, I want to talk for a few minutes about your book. My skeletons have names. So I'm going to ask you an unusual question. Is there one skeleton that you would like to put your arm around and go, what was your purpose for being in my life? And is there You'll one, read the book. and is there one skeleton that you want to punch in the face and say, I wish you would go away and never come back again? So, um, I'm really not going to tell you because it's all in the book. Okay. Even, book. even better, okay. even better. And so, the reason I asked that question is, is I think we all have skeletons in the closet. And I'm so glad that you titled your book the way you did because the biggest thing I think that people fear is facing that thing they thought was dead and gone. So and so let's go to the let's go to the the this I can how, talk about. This yeah. I can okay. okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So this, so this I can share about the skeletons. Okay. So my so just for fun giggles and fun okay my next book is skeletons on parade okay because it is because and it piggybacks right off of what you're talking about because there are these skeletons and when i was writing the book and i well prior to that when i really i knew i wanted to write this book for years easily 20 years um but shame held me back and I think shame holds all of us back. And that's what those skeletons are. Okay. The skeletons in the closet are there because we have shame tied to them. So the, my whole point was as soon as I named them and I felt the emotions tied to them. Okay. I, 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 I found freedom and, and it really was a process and that's what the book's about. And it shares um, some very intimate stories starting at maybe the age of 18 months because I have some certain things that created some skeletons um, and and putting some names to them and, and sharing some stories and sharing um, sort of some antidotes for how I moved through or handled some of that uh, shame associated to it because some of it caused some real damage Okay, and, and you're right. So um, we all have our stuff. 
okay? So I say BS, okay? So S is for stuff or another four-letter word people could assign to it, okay? But we all have that stuff. Hey, my initials are BS, so, I know. you know. <laughs> or big sexy. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. So, um, so, so, you know, when we've got, that's your new type, that's your new nickname, big sexy. I can't wait to tell your wife. So um, it, it's been my nickname. It's been my nickname off oh, and on for 25 years. Yeah. When yeah, I was yeah. much, when I was much bigger before well, I had weight loss surgery, right. yeah, yeah. Before I had weight loss surgery, th there were guys that I worked with in the food business that would call me. Oh, I thought I was, and here I am thinking I'm original. So nothing. I think Well, that's a little discomforting, you know, sometimes <laughs> to have dudes you work with call you that, but I love it. I, I've got to ask so, you this. So wait, okay. Yeah, go ahead. I, I go ahead. I, I, I wanted, what I wanted to ask you was how hard was it for you to, because all of your life and the book will, will go into the things that you have dealt with and overcome, but how hard was it for you to pick yourself up and go, I am not a victim anymore. I am going to be a hero because if, if people are listening to this, this is why I'm asking this question. You may think that you have been knocked down so many times that you cannot be the hero of your own story. Sherry, how did you get to the point where you said enough is enough? I am going to now be the hero of my own story. Sure. So, um, What happens, and, and, and I had to take the pause because I don't really know how I want to answer this, okay? But there is a sense of resilience and grit that some of us have naturally that allow us to push through extraordinary circumstances and trauma in a survival way, we get coping mechanisms, okay? And really, anybody who lives long enough to be an adult has developed them, okay? Because life happens. And what is what, what creates pain or trauma for me may not create it for you, but something else will, okay? You don't get through life without it, okay? And um, so each time throughout life something horrible that most people can't even you know wrap their heads around um it each time something happens okay i mean i've been homeless twice i have had my jaw broken i've been choked out until i've blacked out I've survived a horrible addiction. Um, my kids were survivors of a mass shooting hate crime. I was the first civilian. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? And so there are these things that you go through in life that, that even one would, would be insurmountable, okay? But when we get these survival mechanisms, we create this storyline in our head that that can either lead us to death and suicide which you know i had two bouts of but um or we can learn to reframe the narrative to create the life that we've always dreamed of living 
And what and and I think what really happens, and I and I, I totally attribute my transformation to a coaching experience I had seven and a half years ago. Okay. And um, I've been through a lot of therapy in my life. And I think that therapy taught me how to survive. Um, but this coaching experience taught me how to live. And um, it's really, really amazing. But, you know, when we're about nine or 10 years old, we start to live the life we think we're supposed to live. And you can ask anybody, they're all going to relate to when they were in fourth or fifth grade, nine or 10 years old, something starts to change and we start to pursue these things that probably aren't actually congruent with what our gut, heart and brain are telling us, which is why when you ask somebody, hey, what did you want to do? What did you want to be when you were in sixth grade? What did you want to be in eighth grade? What did you want to be in 10th grade? And what are you today? Very few of us have that. A lot do, and then we compare ourselves to those people and we go, geez, what was wrong with me, right? Oh, I, I turned out to be a salesperson. <laughs> okay. yeah. I, mean, I went to college to go into sales. Like, I wanted to be a magician or a circus clown when I was in fifth grade, you know? Well, you so. need the clown, okay. Yeah, so. I did, I, I, yeah, that's good, for, yeah. Yeah, be, so. be, because I, I, I just, that's my natural personality is to joke and be jovial and be, right. you know, th so not to be real serious. One. I wanted to be, so I'll go to, I'll go to sixth grade. Okay. So I'll, so I'll go to sixth grade. And this was true for quite a while. I wanted to be an artist and a neurosurgeon. Oh, how cool. Okay. So, um, why didn't I pursue that? Right, because there were all kinds of things that happened that derailed me. Life didn't work out that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I could still be an artist, and I am. I just don't sell my art. Okay. Um, I'm I'm very creative, but but it's a little too late for me to be a neurosurgeon. I can't hold my hands steady anyway. I've been shaking since I was 11. So <laughs> I don't think anyone wants me inside their head. I have um, ADD. I would be in the middle of brain surgery and go, ooh, squirrel. You know? Right. I had ADD. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I would go, oh, look, you know, what's that? And I might probably cut the wrong ventricle or something. Yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, but you know, but what happens is we start doing what we think we ought to do or should do and, and stop following what our heart wants. And so you asked me, how do you go from being a victim to a hero? It's getting back in touch with who you really are at your core and then creating the life that you want to live. And you can do that any, at any point along the way. Okay. It's never the wrong time. And, um, I tried a few times until I had this breakthrough. And it's really interesting because it's that breakthrough that I decided this is what I wanted to do. And it took me almost seven years to do it. Okay. But that weekend I said, I am going to coach people. I'm going to end other people's suffering for them. And I'm going to write a book. And I knew in my heart, mind, and soul that that's what I wanted to do. But it took me seven years to actually do it. And why? Because 
that whole thing of fear and shame and judgment that's tied to that is holding me back. Okay. What if nobody cares? What if nobody wants to hear your story, Sherry? Right? No, I mean, who are you to tell your story? Who wants nobody cares? Okay. Who are you to help other people? Nobody's gonna come to you. Okay. Um, look at look at your life. And and the reality is that it took there were two very specific people, three actually, because you were one of them, and you may not know this. Um, who found their way into my life, believe it or not, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you are one of them. Um, that told me that I was doing the world a disservice by not doing it. Yeah. Okay, that there were too many people that I needed and could help, and that my voice was too important. And don't let other people silence you. Don't mm -hmm. let that fear silence you. And you can probably remember the conversation you and I had on the phone about it. Okay. I was driving, I was driving on interstate 81. I, I do remember it. I was okay. driving to Withville, Virginia on interstate 81 when we were talking. Okay. And I had done some video about coming out of the box yeah. and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's it. A, and we still need to do a video. Yeah. That's it. That that's it. That, that, that. You saw me and have <laughs> a magic trick in the circus act. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, I, I would botch that. That would be terrible. I would botch that. I've got to ask you this as we, as we wrap up, because I, I know there is somebody out there. I know there's somebody out there that your story resonates. And, and I would encourage you to go get the book. My skeletons have names. Connect with Sherry. And we'll tell you how to do that in just a minute. But Sherry, what biggest piece of intentional encouragement would you leave someone today that is listening to our conversation? Brian, whoever you are and whatever you're going through, you should know that you were created for a reason and you are enough. That's it. Wow. And then no, nothing, it's great that's a great place to end our conversation and we could go on, but listen, get the book. My skeletons have names. When's, when's the book coming out by the way? Yeah. So, um, right now, if you go to my website, Sherry Lewick.com L U E C K S H A R I L U E C K.com. You can actually download a free sample and you can sign up to be notified when the book comes out. It should be at the end of summer. Um, the publishers, we were, we were shooting for the end of August. Um, we have had some delays, so it may be September, but mm -hmm. it will be, you know, it'll be in that time frame, and it will be available on Amazon and on Kindle, or, or if people can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook or, you know, where I'm everywhere, TikTok, Instagram. And I love what you said earlier about your second book, My Skeletons on Parade, because it's much better than the title that I was going to have for my book called, Do You Have Any Fries in Your Trunk? <laughs> Talking about my life in sales and food. Your names are so much better than, than, than that one. It's like, They're just different, right? Well, I just get that lady on that TV show that goes, uh, your, friend, your French fries are what you're, 
your French fries are one shy of a happy meal or something like that, right? Well, that's the story of my, yeah. Lost, right? Some village has lost its idiot, right? And that, there it is. There it is. That's the title <laughs> of my next book. Some village has lost its idiot by Brian Sexton. Sherry Lewick, go to sherrylewick.com. S-H-A-R-I-L-U-E-C-K. Go to sherrylewick.com. You can also find her on LinkedIn, Unfiltered and on Fire. She also has a video series called Sit with Sherry. And listen, I have had so much fun. This has been a rich, robust conversation, which is exactly what we wanted to do. Thank you so much, Sherry. I appreciate your time on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thanks for having me. Keep on intentionally encouraging and I'll do the same. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his work. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.